You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Hey guys, before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit about Dodge. Hurry into your Dodge dealership today to become the newest member of the Brotherhood of Muscle. Check out this lineup, the Dodge Charger. You can own the road and the pump with up to 300 horsepower and 30 miles per gallon. The Dodge Challenger. Now the rush of opening up on the highway doesn't come at a cost. It's the most affordable V8 in its class. The Dodge Journey. No matter your adventure, the most powerful three-row all-wheel drive vehicle in its class has your back. And, of course, the Dodge Durango. With all-wheel drive availability, spring showers won't have your tires spinning unless you want to. The ride of summer is here, so visit your Dodge dealer and join the Brotherhood of Muscle today. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt, the moderator, D'Andrea. We're going to do uh, part two of our HRE, op- HRE Wheels Open House event. But uh, first of all, thank you guys for, uh, for, for submitting your questions to our Evans Coolant guys. You know, we had these guys in last week from Evans Waterless Coolant for a great segment. If you missed it, be sure to go back and listen to it. We talked about the pitfalls of having water in your coolant. Things like boil over, system pressure, corrosion, burst hoses, and even head gasket failure. And then we talked about how waterless coolant solves all of those issues. They were good sports and answered a lot of questions that you guys sent in, so we appreciate that. If you missed this segment, it's really worth listening to. Uh, if you did tune in, let us know what you thought about it. We couldn't get to all of the questions that you sent in, but if you enjoyed the segment and would like to have these guys on the show again another time, please let us know and we'll bring them back. So whether you've heard them or not, uh, be sure to check them out. Go to evanscoolant.com forward slash fight back, and you can see why waterless coolant is better for your engine. That's evanscoolant.com forward slash fight back for the only waterless coolant on the market and the solution to corrosion and boil over. All right, guys, let's go check out our uh, uh, part two of our HRE wheels open house. And uh, we're going to check in with our friend Richard Waitis from Magnaflow. Right, so you found Richard Waitis. He's here with us now. Richard Waitis from Magnaflow. How are you? Anybody you were eating donuts? Shh, <laughs> <laughs> that's what the green rooms are for. Nobody listens anyway. How's it going? Good. Uh, another great uh, open house here over at HRE, and of course, you get to see pretty much the cream of the crop every time you come down here to take a look at what's going on in the car business. Yeah. For a cool little BMW. Okay. Enough about HRE. <laughs> Enough about my BMW because he doesn't know that story. It it, it didn't we'll start this morning. We'll it was supposed it to be It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be here. It didn't it's start. Car cash. It's about cars. It's, and it's uh, about the trials and tribulations of us going through collecting them and working on them. And your story plays right into it. <laughs> um, anyway, it's at home. It didn't start. Uh, mostly I blame, I blame David Jessica for that one because because <laughs> I have the microphone and he doesn't. Um, what you want to do is you want to spout things on the car cast that people can relate to. Tell me how to fix this goddamn car so I can relate to it. That's what I want to know is somebody tell me what but the key that's issue is. what they is. can relate to, right? Not somebody, knowing how to fix it. Somebody get me this 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 non-start issue. Um, first of all. I want to say thanks for uh, for having us at SEMA last year, and and 
I've got the only Alfa Romeo Spider on the planet with a full Magnaflow exhaust on it. At least and an I S4, have the only Demon S2 with the full Magnaflow headers and exhaust on it. Right, and all my that kind of stuff. Thanks to you. My BMW that's not here has full Magnaflow exhaust. My Mustang Cobra, which doesn't run yet, hopefully at SEMA, has full Magnaflow exhaust. Well, hold on. While we're talking about it, I have a couple of cars that don't run that are going to have Magnaflow exhaust. I just got to figure out how and to get them HRE down here. wheels. And yeah, yeah. Well, I'm telling you, we need to just buy a goddamn flatbed. I told you that's my next purchase. I'm I'm in the market. Anybody out there, if Leno, you still got oh. your extra one? Please let me know because that's what I'm in the market for right freaking now. You know what? We're we're so close. Bodie Stroud, the hot rod builder that we work with a lot, is almost done with our Hino truck. It's an enclosed transporter. It's. It's a right-hand drive. Doesn't do me Japanese any good. good. <laughs> what? Uh, great. And I'm now happy we're gonna, for and, you. And now we're going to use it for everything. <laughs> well, that's awesome. How much horsepower has it got? Oh, we, it, it had the little tiny uh, engine in it. Bodie kicked it out, and he put an LS in it. There you go. It'll go up my hill, so I'll steal and it from you. It's not the normal 430 horsepower LS. He's got the one in the crate, whatever the crate is with the hotter cam. I think he said he went with the uh, 454 LSX, so 500-500. It's, it's a bit of horsepower. <laughs> I don't I'm know just if it's thinking the Dodge is our major sponsor for this. I should be driving a Dodge, you know, Dodge. flatbed. So. Does Dodge make a flatbed? They do now. They do now. <laughs> <laughs> According to Richard Waitis, they Hello. do. This guy will make anything. Uh, so... All of those things, thank you for that. And now you've been uh, the, the wonderful spearhead of this jackhammer project for Goldberg. And uh, we've been talking about it week after week after week, uh, and more keeps getting done. Um, and, and now I, I, he's throwing a wrench in the system, throwing a curve. I don't know what, what, what the analogy is here, but uh, what do you think? Well, I mean, it was funny when Bill first uh, came back. He says, "Listen, funny, haha, or funny like you're driving me nuts." No, <laughs> stop it. No, it's definitely funny, haha, in the sense that it, it really isn't that different an experience that you run through. And obviously, we've been involved with a lot of your projects and anybody else's projects that you know comes aboard with Magnaflow. And at the end of the day, it, it's the same experience that anybody goes through being a car owner. I mean, uh, I've done enough TV and been in enough shows to understand, you know, you get that very unidirectional story because it's there to cover, well, you know, there's ad space and you got to take care of vendors that are participating and you got to tell that one arc of story. But at the end of the day, if you're really talking about the experience of the true enthusiast, how many times do you have that car go through four or five different iterations of design as you come along and you meet obstacles and say, hey, is this really the course of action I need to go through? So. Uh, it's, it definitely wasn't a new experience, but definitely sincere from Bill coming to say, hey, you know what? I think we need to put the brakes on, and we've come across an obstacle that may actually take the car in a direction where we don't want to go and, and turn what is a one of 3,000 vehicle. Actually, I think you mean take the brakes off. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that is definitely one of the obstacles because, he ran uh, on. Yeah. We just installed them, and now we got to go back. I just talked to Brembo on the way in. And yeah. it, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, you know, this is the reality of being a car enthusiast is that, hey, you know what? And I started a project. I had an idea. Are the resources available? And am I really going to keep the essence of the car intact or should I really take a new direction and start with a new platform? So uh, as much as Bill was concerned with, you know, hey, you know what, what are we going to do? I think the original course of the project, as we first discussed, and the reason why I jumped on board was we want to go have fun with a car. And we want to go do it in the style that Goldberg wants to have fun with a car. So really, the car was not the center of the project, which means now we're just moving to a different platform. We're going to fi fix something that is going to actually be able to take the modifications and do what he wants with it. And really, that's what modifying cars and individualizing cars is all about. 
you're no stranger to this because I brought my Mustang Cobra to SEMA in your booth outside two years ago. And then when I brought it home, I looked at everything under the hood and said, I don't like the way it looks. So instead of getting the car running, I took everything apart. And you've been over there. I'm redoing all the front engine accessory drives. I'm custom, make, custom making the supercharger bracket. And as I move steps further and further down it, I'm like, oh, now I don't know where the tensioner pulley is going to go. There's no room for it. So now we've got to flip it and, and machine it to the other side, like the pulley to the other side. Like, it's just this process to keep going. And uh, uh, so I get it. Like, I, that car was supposed to be done two years ago, and we already had it at SEMA. Yeah, I know. And and now it's, it's all taken apart again. Well, and that's just it, is that you, when you look at what SEMA does, you know, at what point in history of automobiles, you know, do we deal with the fact, well, it used to be word of mouth. Hey, what did that guy's car run? And through social media, obviously, today we know exactly the part, exactly the brand, and now you have the exposure, and a third the time information used to travel. And then you go to a SEMA, and you have everything under one roof, the best builders, the best cars. And, of course, what do you see? Everything you could possibly want. You go back to your car, and you're like, okay. Next project, next iteration. Well, we have to be fair with your car, Matt. Every time I've come over there, we start about 15 minutes into working. We wind up drinking beer, and the whole thing just goes to hell. So how <laughs> could you build a car drunk? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's funny. This whole process of building these cars and taking your time, have it be year after year after year. The formula works if you have another car to drive that runs. That's true. <laughs> and, and none of my cars run now. <laughs> You had like five cars and none of them actually work. None of them actually run. You gotta get more cars. <laughs> That's right. Keep thinking as I gotta buy another car. That's what happens I, when something goes wrong. You just throw the keys and I'm grab another. You, you know, what's funny is, is my brother Dave, Adam Crawl, they all say the same thing. You know the car guy when Adam goes. Why don't you just go get a brand new Jag or something? He's not saying fix something or sell it. He's saying just get another one. Just go get another one. I was like, that's probably the right thing. Well, I always love when you pull up in rental cars. You know, every sitting at the house, he goes, what the hell is this thing? He goes, you know. <laughs> it's when my car breaks and a press car isn't available. <laughs> my daily's broken. My project car's broken. The project car I took on because my project was taking too long. Project car is also now out of service. And, yeah, that's, that's the uh, true enthusiast yeah. there. How now you're running around in your Corvette? You have a C7, or yeah. is that being worked on and you got something else? Because um, you got it. Don't lie to me, Richard. I may have just bought a Trailblazer because my Corvette is not drivable at the moment. So. <laughs> See, ladies and gentlemen, we're not telling, we're not saying anything that doesn't happen to everyone. <laughs> See, it's a brand new Corvette. His eyes were as big as could be, like Christmas morning, like when you got your demon, and. I, I remember you got it. You're like, where is it? Well, it's it's in the garage. It's already taken apart. We're already into it. Yeah, and uh, it's, you know, uh, here I am going out. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to buy another project. So what can I buy that I don't want to touch? And I'm like, yeah, we had an emissions car at work, and it's a 15-year-old trail. I'm never going to do anything to that thing. 1000 bucks in and buy it. Okay, well, I'm already in wheels and tires. I've already modified the suspension. Uh, audio is 15 years old. I can't deal with that. No, and no, no Bluetooth. I hate to admit oh, that when I was growing up in high school and I had a Nova and I wanted to build it all up and all that stuff, my dad would not let me. He kept saying, he goes, that's the car that you go to work in and everything. And I hate to freaking admit it, and I'm saying it publicly now, Dad, you are so right. Because I tell that to all my friends that have cars that they're modifying and doing all this crazy shit to. It's like, go get yourself a little Honda Accord or something, whatever. And as soon as they start talking, well, I'm going to put uh, you know, some shock. Like, no, you're not going to touch it. Everything original. And just 
put all that money and effort into your project. But you got to have something to just drive. I'd have I'd have some to drive every day. Mark Warman Graveyard Cars. If you get me my truck back, Mark Warman Graveyard Cars three ninety two motor. Thank you very much. You've had the truck how long? Three months? Four months? Who? Just a motor swap. I could have done that by myself. I'm sorry. Thank who you, has Mark. it? Mark Warman. Oh, Mark Warman from Graveyard Cars. Where is it? Oh, Salem, Salem, uh, uh, Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. He is so lucky. His place is not in L.A. <laughs> no doubt. I'd be there every be there. day. Yeah. Hey, Mark. <laughs> hey, Mark. Is it ready yet? Wake up. Hey, Mark. Is every, it ready yet? Hey, every, Mark. Is it ready yet? Every day he'd walk in and be like, Goldberg's in your office. <laughs> What's he doing? I think, yeah. he, I think he slept there. I don't know what he's doing. So you pick up a, trail, a, a trailblazer, right? Uh, the leftover Magnaflow test vehicle? Yeah, purposely trying to find the least likely vehicle I'm going to modify. And it, it's when you have a bug, you have a bug. And you get used to a certain type of standard of driving and whatever. And you see little things and, you, oh, I'm just going to fix okay, but it. Here's the thing. So what, what you guys probably don't know about Richard Waitis is when he's not doing his real marketing job in, in the Magnaflow offices, his job is to go to every shop he can possibly go to and partnered with Bodie Stroud, Jimmy Shine, us, you, go... Uh, Chip Foose, he's going up there and he's doing the exhaust, custom a exhaust, and just, uh, job and, description. And, and he's he's the man behind all of these uh, the exhaust systems on these great builds. You spend more time in a car than any of us. Well, maybe not you, yeah. Dave. Uh, and, and of course, the Corvette does not transport a welder. Uh, it does not transfabrication equipment very no. well. So no, I'm buy something else. Which oh, I did. And you did. <laughs> but, but then you get in and you're like, I don't know. It doesn't look good. It's not as comfortable and, and it's a little loud. And, and now, and the audio doesn't work. And I can't make phone calls and I can't do work while I'm in there. So now your $1,000 truck's going to turn into an $8,000 truck. <laughs> oh, I, I think I've already tripled its cost. And, you know, it's like I've got 16 hours in paint correction in the thing. And uh, it, it was like it's 15 year old un, uh, uh, untreated paint. You know, someone yeah. didn't take care of it. You've got to leave it. it like crap. Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, what do I do? I go that to... inspires you to fix your real car. <laughs> and, but see, that's just the funny part is it's like, okay, well, the real car takes a lot more money to play with. This one, I'm like, oh, yeah. it's, it's 100 bucks here. It's 500 bucks. That's just labor, right? Oh, and that won't add up at all. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's, it's that, it's that uh, self-convincing idea that we're trying to perpetuate that, oh, this is just not a real project, so I'm just going to put a little money into it and forget about it. Yeah, it, everything's a project. I'll sell you an Alpha for $24,000. <laughs> no thanks. No, no thanks. I'll still lose money. We couldn't fit in a shape like a taco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only when Bill rides in it, unfortunately. we got to weld up some subframe connectors or something on that car. Maybe that'll be the next project after, uh, I don't know when. <laughs> um, Soon. So It's going to happen. Okay, so... We we talked about um, but before you came in. We were talking about the new direction with the Demon and and the Hellcat. And now he went from one project to two projects, similar projects, mind you. But the end result now is going to be the badass road car and the badass drag race car. What have you guys done on the car? You mentioned the headers for the for that. Uh, walk us through it. What did you guys so do for the in, Demon? In both the applications, obviously, in the, the direction we're going is more horsepower. And, and, you know, really to achieve what we wanted to do without really going too deep into the motor, uh, which, you know, is open game now with uh, the Hellcat and, and working with that versus the Demon, is we can crack it open and not worry about, you know, devaluing the vehicle because it is just a production car at this point in time and something designed to have fun with. So uh, first point of address is let's get something on there that maximizes what we have. So we went to a larger primary. Uh, we 
basically you took the cut points of where the factory converters are so that we could still make it a streetcar with you know the appropriate emissions equipment should we want to uh but still have a little bit more headroom to build some power add some boost you know do some tuning on the motor uh and then as far as the demon project goes you know we hadn't built a complete three inch exhaust with three inch valves that replaced all the factory equipment and still worked with the computer at that time in which case we used project jackhammer to really kind of delve into that uh what's going to benefit is uh dodge made the two uh, platforms very similar so we'll, we'll have a secondary system now that we're going to offer that'll be an improvement to the hellcat system that gives you a true three inch dual that'll sustain you know 700 800 horsepower at the wheels no problem so <clears throat> the car was used as R&D, so you're going to be able to offer this stuff. Because I never really know, like, you know, obviously you run up to Jimmy Shine's shop, and he's like, hey, I need you to build headers for this thing. Right. And half the time you're like, what is it? <laughs> and uh, he's and like, oh, it's a, it's a flathead, and I put, yeah, it's a flathead, and I put a blower on it, and it's, it's got a, you know, it's got a, you can't see it and all this stuff. And But you guys are making products uh, that people can buy at some point. Well, and at the same time, it goes beyond just the application. You know, yeah, in this case, with Bill's uh, projects, they're both applications that we would find on the street. However, uh, it's more about the design and the testing and understanding how to make things better because all that information that comes back from me and albeit I do sit in a marketing seat um, I used to run our engineering department and we gather that data we use that data to put into all of our products so what we figure out from working with this project is how does the PCM work and how does the uh, fuel management system work with the valves is it an emission uh, component is it exclusively a sound thing is does it have some power effects and when we start doing the testing we can say okay well all of that information lets us know how interesting kit or how uh, much this is a aesthetic to the car rather than simply a performance product and we can design our new products with consideration of that and obviously with today's cars multi-valve systems uh, more engine controls that are dictated by a computer the absence of products actually causes more problems than it ever used to be because it used to be exhaust was easy it was something that was an after effect there was very little tuning there uh o2 sensors didn't do things that they do today which fuel trimming on dodge cars we know rear o2 sensors used to just be there for emissions and now here they are taking care of fuel trimming so you move an o2 sensor you increase the diameter of the pipe all of that starts affecting the drivability of the car and how it runs and that's that's what we get out of the r&d and a lot of these projects for these exclusive cars that we're building is we take that data we analyze that data now we reincorporate it into production parts. Yeah, I, I know with the uh, the O2 sensors and things like that, because I was actually sitting there thinking when you were doing that, you know, what do you run, like an inch and 70th primary with a 32-inch length, 34? What, what, what so kind with, of uh, with Bill's, we actually stepped into a complete 2-inch, right. um, and on that particular one, we were with a complete equal length. So if you looked at under the hood, there's a few more bends that had to be incorporated, and, of course, still trying to get around the stock steering on the left side. Uh, and, of course, even there, it's just a shock tower on the right side and getting across, I should say, the strut tower. Um, but at the end of the day, it's um, we wanted to get more volume. So we had to take in consideration we're going to overdrive the supercharger, get a little bit more air pumping in there. So we went to a 2-inch primary because, as you know, the SRT stuff was already 1 and 7 eighths from factory. Uh, we ex- extended the length so we could have a little bit more rev range. If we're going to push the supercharger hard, uh, harder, we're going to probably go up. And I think I'll have to look at my data on that one. I think we went to 29-and-a-half-inch uh, length uh, primaries uh, with a 2-inch primary. Uh, the collector was near stock position so that we could still maintain, you know, cats if we needed to. Uh, whereas if we were to go for a true uh, maximized power four into one with a 31 inch long uh, uh, four into one type design, uh, we may have chose to stick with the one and seven eighths. But uh, for what we were doing and space constraints, we have to make some accommodations. And this is where the engineering part pops in. And we start making stuff that really is application specific. And that's so, what we did for Bill. So with that, I mean, because you're going to have, like we talked about, the latency of the O2 sensor mm-hmm. feedback and stuff like that. How, how much 
different in length are you seeing than from the factory header pipe with where the O2 sensors are on, on the full lines? So in ours, it's about two inches of difference. Uh, and that's, that's the biggest change is that we have not relocated the O2 sensor downstream behind the collector. Uh, it still sits uh, in front of the flange at the collector, actually on one of the primary pipes to preserve the timing that's necessary to keep the O2 sensor reading the information as per uh, original, uh, I would call it, uh, specification. One of the big things we try to do with regards to O2 placement is look at thresholds. So we find the point at which CELs start popping up or we start seeing fueling changes and then we move back from those points. So there's a lot of data acquisition in that sense. Um, some of the stuff we can do with like an outbox and feed data in and see how the computer reads it. When the check engine pops on, uh, delete a race, move the other direction. And we look for those high uh, threshold, low threshold kind of minimums and find out what's it actually doing or where do we actually see a change in what the Lambda readings are uh, for what it's interpreting as a computer. Because if we're starting to change air fuel uh, without actually changing air fuel, we know that the, the modification we did or the placement we did is now interfering with the computer's to do, uh, ability to do what it's supposed to. So uh, in that sense, um, that's kind of what we do when we talk about R&D for those applications is uh, are we truly making something that's necessarily going to go on the shelf that way? Probably not, especially in the, the vehicles that we're doing for this instance. But it, it helps us make something that we know where the thresholds are when we do start to move things around or increase volumes on the exhaust system so we know not to throw the check engine lights. Yeah. You can see a lot of that stuff in the oxygen storage capability oh uh, in, in, the, in the monitors and yep. stuff. So I was well, curious uh, how, we got, how much you, you got into that. Yeah, once you start getting outside of what you find in standard OBD2 generic and you start digging into um, the Mode 6 data yep. and you really start going into the emissions and understanding how that works, and that's, and that's a unique advantage in the sense that we're not just a performance company. A lot of people don't know how much of our business is actually uh, dedicated to emissions, and emissions requires us to do 10 times as much as just finding out what makes power on a dyno. Um, when we start making a catalytic converter and we go into understanding the wash coat design, oxygen storage, and all of those things, we have to peel back all the layers. We reverse engineer the actual metallurgy down to the point where we have an X-ray spectrometer. We pulverize the material, put it in there. I could tell you the actual molecular composition of every metal that's in there and how it works and, and how it interacts. And that's something that you won't find in a typical performance exhaust shop because that's not their business, you no, know. No, no. So we come from it in an understanding and how to integrate with um, the emission side of the system, which is, if you've delved into, which obviously you have to some great degree, um, understanding that is how you kind of peel back the layers of the computer to know how to make something make power and still cooperate without rewriting entire code. That's pretty cool. Uh, uh, Bill, would you wake up uh, uh, Matt over here? <laughs> I understood all of that. I'm down with you. I was I, the question I was going to ask when you said when you said two inch uh, on the primaries is I wasn't sure if there was enough space to do an equal length header with with two inch primaries, and I guess there is. Well, that's, that's usually one of the biggest issues, right? Is how for do you, sure. how long you're making, and you know? it, it really depends on. Um, is it a full? Full length or is it sort of a mid length? It's it's a it's like a mid length. I yeah. said it's only I think twenty nine and a half is where we got to. So in the factory ones are around twenty seven. So the full length ones you're seeing are near thirty one inches, and they uh, the collector turns at the bottom, like kind of what the frame line is. This actually is still aimed down, and the exhaust system meets upward to it, so it's still got that mid length kind of format. Um, but I mean, really, when you're talking about the, the space, it's it's not production friendly. I would not be able to mass produce this header because every single segment of this pipe is hand TIG welded and it's compounded so that there's no grip length between it. A standard bender wouldn't be able to make this. This is something that's definitely going to come out of like you would call a professional exhaust shop where you've got every segment butted right up to another yeah. uh, segment. Uh, and it's not going to be something that you would find on a shelf. And at the end of the day, you know, there are plenty of companies making headers out there. 
that are uh, production friendly and have minimized some of the extra labor that goes into it. But that's the difference between our projects versus what we build for production is these are experimental. These are here for us to understand the dynamics of the car and the dynamics of the exhaust system. And they become a bigger thing for us uh, in the sense of research and development. And like I said, we probably don't have any plans to build a header for the Demon. But we're going to learn a lot about how the Demon makes power, which will help us with the exhaust component when we get to that. Yeah. All right, guys. Listen, we're running out of time. We're actually quite a bit over on time. But uh, I appreciate you coming in. Yeah, no problem. Uh, uh, Richard Waiters from Magnaflow. We've been talking about you for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And thanks so much for spearheading up this project with Bill. Yes, there would uh, be no project, Jackhammer, <laughs> if it was not for uh, Mr. Richard over here. So thank you and everyone over at Magnaflow. Not a problem. Glad to be a part. And uh, we find you guys online at magnaflow.com. And I believe all your social media is all Magnaflow. Uh, yeah, it's everything is easy to find. It's all at Magnaflow. Whether you're looking at Instagram or Facebook, you'll find us on all the social platforms. It's just Magnaflow. All right. Thank you, Richard Waitus. We always love that guy. He's been doing so much for us and all of our car projects. We appreciate that. So we're about to actually check in with, uh, with Alan Peltier, the president of HRE Wheels. But first, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Continental. You know, things, uh, think of all the weird things you find in cars. I'm not talking about your garden vi- vi- variety petrified French fries or melted crayons. I'm talking about things like snakes and trinkets and all kinds of weird stuff uh, that makes you wonder. You know, another thing that makes you wonder, but in a good way, are Continental Belts. Bet you didn't know, they're OE on tens of millions of Chrysler, Dodge, Ford, and GM vehicles that roll off the assembly line. They're also original equipment on the majority of BMWs and VWs. Now, Continental is launching the aftermarket multi-V belt with the OE pedigree. That's their OE technology series. Belts that are fanatically engineered for perfect fit, form, and function. And Continental has the OE technology series multi-V belt for 98% of vehicles on the road in the U.S. and Canada. By the way, that's your serpentine belt that we're talking about, this multi-V. So, hey, you got enough surprises working on your cars and trucks already. A belt shouldn't be one of them. Go to the Continental OE Technology Series Multi-V Belt, the only belt with OE pedigree. To get the full story, visit OETechnologySeries.com. That's OETechnologySeries.com. All right, hang with us. We're going to go with Alan Peltier right now, president of HRE Wheels. Hey, guys, welcome to CarCast once again. Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea here with Bill Goldberg. We're at the HRE Wheels Open House event. How are you, Bill? I am doing unbelievable, surrounded by the coolest cars in the world. Are you kidding we me? We just uh, we just did a lap around uh, around the place, and uh, and what a what an incredible show that these guys. Good put thing on. it wasn't timed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we we uh, we uh, we we scurried around, um, but the cars out there are are amazing. Um, uh, great group of people, uh, such an interesting mix, and. I've been out here to this event once before, but it's actually been a couple of years since I've I've done it, and it just seems uh, more and more amazing. Each how is time. it? How is it different uh, from those years to now? I was much younger then. <laughs> Other than your age, how is it different? Um, it seems like there's a lot of people. Like there seems like a lot of people. I think there was a lot of people here years ago, but but now just running around quickly, like it's it can get a little bit tougher to walk through. And I didn't get a chance yet to walk through. Uh, through the plant here. You're so freaking famous, dude. You can't walk five feet without <laughs> well, somebody wanting you. wanting a photo. You know, I mean, let's be honest. All the listeners out there have to understand what it's like walking around a car show with Matt DeAndre. I, true story. 
<laughs> True story. And I, it's funny is is everybody sees you. They want to take pictures of you. But how many people come up? They're like, yeah, the picture's fine. But can you lift me in the air? Could you put me on your shoulder? If he's nine, it's fine. But if you're thirty nine, don't ask that. And you weigh like three fifty. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, going like, to be completely out of the question. Thirty nine, right? Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, take a, a moment to have uh, Alan Peltier. Are you? President of yes. president, so president of HRE Wheels. Now he's been on Carcast uh, uh, before. He's a he's a, always a fan favorite because when we have him come into the studio, we just geek out for forty minutes about wheel weights and mass and reciprocating weight and things like that. But uh, but it's his it's his event now. So uh, we before wanna, you geek out, let's yeah. get into the common yeah, let's, man's let's question. Let's get into why are we here, what this event is, and what's going on, and what's new with HRE. Uh, but uh, start telling us about this event. Yeah, I think it's probably been 10 years now that we've been doing this event, and it did start fairly small. I think the original intent was, let's just open the doors um, and really show people how we do things and why we do things the way we do. I think the brand can be intimidating sometimes. Um, I think people thought we were just a bunch of snobs sitting around sipping martinis. Um, You know, I wish I had that luxury, but uh, we wanted people to not just open up the factory so people could see what we did and how we did it, but also to meet the team and to realize we're actually just a bunch of normal guys that love cars and love what we do and love building HRE up and the passion and the integrity of the, our team. And so it's it's really turned into uh, a, a very big event for us. And I think, I think what you're seeing is probably, you know, what's different. It, it is getting more and more just professional as we figure out how to do this better and better and better to deal with the bigger and bigger crowds. And also deal, you know, when you have Michelin and companies like that come, um, you know, this can't be just something that you're doing in your backyard, you know. So um, we need to make sure that we're buttoning everything up and, and, and cater it to not just uh, the diehard car people, but... You know, we have, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, we have things like a nursing station for, for, for moms that have new, new kids. And so <laughs> I, I'm going to jump in from a, from a car guy's perspective. Um, it, it's a wonderful event, first and foremost. Secondly, I'll touch on the uh, untouchable HRE uh, stigma. I was kind of the same way. I didn't think that there was any way, shape, or form that you would have a wheel to go on my Dodge Challenger. And so, and I, and I had uh, an. At, I had a, a stigma towards HRE in that it was going to be kind of highbrow and almost unattainable. Too. Almost you unattainable. Know, like this is not what you, you know? normally put on that car. The, but how many Mustangs and Camaros and have uh, we walked around and seen exactly. now compared to a few years ago? So what I like about the event is that it completely smashed that theory. Number one for me and my my partnership with HRE, you and HRE. But seeing it in real time, how eclectic the cars and the people are, and it's just at the end of the day a car event. I just saw a 70 426 Hemi Charger out there. If you would have told me I would have seen one of those at, at an event HRE put on five years ago, ten years ago, two years ago, you, I, I would never have thought that would have happened. You would have told me that two days ago. I would have thought of it maybe. Exactly. <laughs> but but there, there. Were, there were a number of Corvettes, a number of Mustangs, a number of Camaros, and there were three demons here, right? Three demons here. And I can guarantee you, as much as I sold those flipping wheels to them, they're going to be in here making an order soon. No, and I, and I think that, you know, HRE's customer base is very broad. 
right? You know, and we have a great reputation, all those things, but we do cater to uh, everything from Bugattis. Obviously, we have a, a bunch of those here mm-hmm. to demons to you know a lot of Mustangs, like you said, and and Porsche, something more that's our normal business mm-hmm. that people expect. Um, but even within, then there's also the age, you know, HRE doesn't cater to just 20 somethings or just cater to 50 somethings, mm-hmm. you know? So we, we have this broad brand that has to appeal to people and that's a difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And so how do you cater to all of those people? How do you stay relevant to all those people? And I think that's where us focusing on just the, the really trying to do things the hard way with the quality and the integrity and really being that trusted brand. So it doesn't matter where you're coming from. You realize Atree is going to make a great product and they're going to stand behind it. And they're going to stand behind me. You know? And that, as a consumer, that's all you can ask for. And uh, nine times out of 10, that's not what you get. So we greatly appreciate it. I appreciate the partnership. You know, uh, obviously you've done a lot with Matt throughout the years. and and But regardless of the partnership, as an objective car guy, this is a wonderful event. I mean, yeah. how cool is this? It's, it's interesting how how uh, even the the cars have changed, and you see them here. There is a fleet, not one, a fleet of Fisker Karmas out front. Probably every working Fisker Karma. I was just I mean, going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the four I, I that are say, working are right out yeah, in front. Yeah, like the, the, those are there, and uh, they might have been flatbedded over. I'm not quite sure. And there's Teslas and things like that that are out there as well. Um, but uh, I, like I said, it's been a little while since you've been over at, at the studio. Um, but I did – one of the things I loved about when we talked before was your role at HRE, right? And, and we right. – you know, you've been president of the company for years now, but right. this was more of you're the product guy. Yeah. It, and, yeah. And, and the company was, was doing well, but it, it got when – you, when you talk about that period where they seemed kind of unattainable or it had sort of a stigma for a certain audience, it's when they put the product guy in charge to run the company. And he said, let's make products you know, and focus a little bit less on what they're going to go on, right? Like, let's let, – so talk right. about your I, I role here it, yeah. and what, what it, you've done with the company. The it, last is, it is uh, – you know, I started 19 years ago yesterday. So I've been here a long time. And I, I came from aerospace and, and joined uh, as the lead engineer. So um, – and with the intent of, you know, getting involved in more than just designing wheels – uh, really, I, I, I wanted to become the president eventually. And I think the reason was because I really wanted to create a company where, or not create a company, but build a company where I was able to shape the culture. And so a lot of what you're seeing is uh, a shift from Atri, um, uh just trying to make maybe a great wheel or a, a, something in this image and really from every aspect of the company. And it isn't just me, but uh, the, the people that we have on the team now, there's a consistency in everything we do. HRE stands for something. And that means it doesn't matter if it's on the production side or the design side or on the marketing side or the sales side. The experience is the same. And it's consistently high. And we are really trying to do something special. I am the product guy, but I'm also the guy who created the culture. And the culture at HRE, when I I was promoted president in 2009, so after 10 years. And the culture has changed a lot because for me, I don't think you're going to get anything done without the right people on the team. And I'm very, very protective of our culture. And you're, you're not talking about culture like what the consumer sees. You're talking no, about internal. internal it's, it's, yes. it's the employees and how you take care Absolutely. of them. And, 
And so, and, and it's real simple. Our, our culture is based on trust. And so I, I talk about this on our tours and, and that's two aspects. We, you have to have integrity. That one's really easy. If you're a liar or something, you're not going to fit in. The other thing is that we have to trust your ability to get the job done. And so those two aspects can uh, crop up at any minute and, and you'll have to leave. We don't have the luxury of a big company where you, we just put you in the corner. Um, and what that does is it allows us to really have honest teamwork. A lot of people think they have teamwork. Um, but the reality is if you have the wrong people on the team, either incompetent or not lacking integrity, you're not going to have teamwork. And so my goal uh, every day is to make sure that when my team walks through that door, they've got to bring it. Like you've got to be ambitious. You've got to be – you've got to have the passion. You have to have integrity and, and capability. You've got to walk through that door. I'm going to get it done. And my job is to make sure that when you walk out that door, I don't care how hard your day was, that you're like, i got to get back tomorrow and get it done. Because the, the, the worst way – uh, I mean, the easiest way to kill somebody's morale isn't not uh, having rah-rah sessions or free whatever. You know, I could do massages and we could do free food and all kinds of perks. But really, you want to have a good day. You want to get a lot done. And the easiest way to kill your morale is have you work with people that don't have integrity or don't have capability. You've got and to take pride in your work. Exactly. You've got to be able to love you the know? job. But right? if you're, and if you're working with the wrong people, you can love it. You can be like, I'm going to kill it. And then you're working with people around you that don't, and it will kill your morale. And so we can't afford to keep that. So everybody in this building has meets those standards, and that allows all of us to just walk through the building knowing we're going to be surrounded by people that we loved working with every day. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because I think uh, I would say that Bill relates to this. Bill comes from uh, just touching on your, your career, wrestling and football. It's extremely painful. <laughs> and you have to love it, and you have to trust everybody in there that's doing a good job, right, and taking care of you. Wow. <laughs> I didn't have two of those three things. <laughs> How did I succeed? Um, yeah, I mean, any the, the, the backbone of any business is trust. Yeah. And having the right people representing you, representing your product, because every single person under your umbrella has the name of you and your product on their back. Everything they do is representative of that product. And so if you don't take the time to make sure every single person within your, your business is of that like mind, then you kind of deserve not to have ultimately what you were yeah. shooting for. Wrestling was a little different. <laughs> wrestling, was a little uh, different. wrestling was a lot different. Um, yeah, move on. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. <laughs> There's no I mean, correlation whatsoever. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. We uh, let's talk a little bit about how the company has has changed over mm-hmm. the last ten years, and uh, we've seen first of all we've seen technology in in the back room grow. We've seen you guys do all of your own powder mm-hmm. coating and finishing and stuff here, mm-hmm. like everything's in house, so you the can robot. so you can control the process yeah. on your own. But also, you guys come out and do partnerships with with guys like Ring Brothers and yeah. get into into a market like you wouldn't think HRE yeah. Wheels to be on. It's not a Lamborghini. These guys are building cool Mustangs right. and and trucks and they have the fifty six. How many more people are building Mustangs than Lamborghinis? <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. How many more people are building Mustangs? Lamborghinis. You're right. I mean, part of it is is, is smart business. No, and I think I, I mean but, I, a lot of it. Part of it is a tough transition. How do you put HREs on a '66 Mustang and go? Now we're going to sell them, and they're they're not right. inexpensive. Right. No, and I think all of that is none of it is. It happens overnight. So it, all of that has been evolutionary. And, and there's just an increase in the professionalism and the capability of this company, and and just the commitment to always doing it 
better, right? And so when you see the changes that go on out back, there's significant changes going on up front as well. But we get we take any money we have and we're going to reinvest it in this business and we keep increasing our capability and increasing our professionalism and it's not just working with uh, top name builders like the Ring Brothers those guys are amazing Um, but you know we work a lot with Honda you know Honda Mm -hmm. comes to us for not OE stuff but for R&D it's like for the NSX program hey you know we need a couple hundred wheels for the yeah. NSX, we need to be this weight, this stiffness. And they're really drawing on our engineering expertise and our manufacturing capability. Um, but that's turned into a long-term partnership. So now we're just having continued business like that. Um, and those things weren't cap- – we weren't, we weren't capable of that in years past. When, if we tried something, we didn't have the team that would – I knew I could just trust to execute that. Um, and so t- I think a lot of what you're seeing is, is – um, Again, you fill the building with a bunch of really, really capable, passionate people, yeah. and you're going to get a lot done. Then you, don't sec- sec- then you surely don't second-guess the decisions that are made, and you don't have to make every single decision on your own, therefore wasting a lot of time. Yeah. By the way, we don't have new CarCast theme music. This is outside, behind the wall. There's music going on. There's like a whole, like I don't know, some sort of car audio battle going on out there, and uh, it's trickling in through the walls. It's seeping through the pores of the building. Um, you talk about uh, these these partnerships like Ring Brothers and Honda. How about that Aria supercar outside? Yeah. And tell us about that wheel. It's it's worth mentioning. We'll put up pictures of it. I took a photo of it, but is there looks like that's some, a partnership. Some sick carbon fiber. That's and a stuff partnership. Going on. And so we yeah. And so you know, carbon. It's not something we're going to do in house. So we worked with Aria and their design team to make sure that we could work with them and uh, get get what they wanted and really. Um, that was really supporting them more on the the aluminum side, I'll be honest. And But they, they gave us what they wanted to do with the carbon, and we worked with them to make sure that that was going to happen. We love Aria because they make all kinds of amazing stuff, and we've known them for a long time and worked with them in the past on many different things. So for them to bring their own car uh, is, is awesome because I think it's amazing. I want to touch on wheel technology for a little bit. I mean, <laughs> here we go. We're really kind of pushing on. <laughs> you knew I would, right? Like, <laughs> we, we, how, how could I not? Like, we're pushing the boundaries of different materials. Absolutely. There was magnesium, there was steel, there was mm-hmm. aluminum. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you guys, I know in the past have, yeah, wheel design is mm-hmm. at the forefront. But then there's just what do you do to make it light and make it strong? And is there certain pocketing behind it? And then when you start getting into, a design where, you know, if it's four spokes or five spokes, does it leave sort of weak spots in the in the barrel, mm-hmm. if you will? I'm mm-hmm. not sure what the proper term is, but right. for the rim itself, it, compared to something that has well, different, more yeah, some points. styles are more efficient from an engineering perspective than others, for sure. You know, and then uh, we keep looking toward carbon fiber. Uh, so I guess where are we with carbon fiber and mm-hmm. wheel usage? Mm-hmm. Uh, or is there another material you're looking at? Is there I a think combination there, of I it? I think Atria is actually, um, and I can't talk about too much of what we're doing. Obviously, we are looking at... Um, you don't have to. Hold the mic up close. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are looking at, we're always looking at new materials, and yeah. we are actively working on uh, some things. And I am very excited about all of them. I will say um, carbon fiber does have a place. And it has some issues that you have to overcome, but if you do it right, it is possible. And yeah. uh, you can make a very, very nice, lightweight product, uh, both the center or the barrel, um, in different ways. Um, but um, 
it's best if you do it the right way. And so a lot of people think they can do something, and, and, and it's, it's actually more difficult than people realize because making a wheel, the loads and the, the constraints and the environmental and everything that goes into a wheel and what a wheel is subjected to is pretty severe. And so a lot of ways carbon wasn't designed for that. You you're know? saying it's severe, and that's for if you're using the wheel at its proper intended use. Yeah. Once you put it in the hands of us people, right? Right. Exactly. Now we're we're hitting curbs and we're <laughs> we're, we're potholes and exactly. You know, this isn't just like, hey, can you make a carbon fiber wheel to right. go around the track? Yeah, no problem. Right. 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 <laughs> and 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 that's where carbon. I mean, some in terms of uh, you know carbon, it, it's going to be limited to being an exclusive product for that reason because you know you're not going to just want to just curb it every time you you know you do a parallel park, right? So. Um, but there are other materials that we're looking at, some different alloys, um, other manufacturing technologies, not yeah. just uh, cutting from a 100-pound piece of aluminum and cutting it down. You know, that 100-pound uh, forging is very expensive, and when you cut 75 80% of it away, that's not the most efficient process. Um, all those different design aspects you're talking about that allow us to get the extra lightning. Yeah, and that is, that's great, and we, we spend a lot of time on all that engineering, but we are looking at something that, you know, we want to be looking at things that are more transformational that will uh, completely change the way we make wheels because the future, you know, is coming, and we, we need to make sure that we're on the forefront of anything like that. So, yeah. I so, just can't give you any details on any of what... <laughs> I, I feel really bad. You're asking me, and I'm like, I wish I could tell you what we're working on, but I can't tell you. Right, okay. <laughs> but we, we do know some things about... Because we're talking about carbon fiber. We know some things about carbon fiber. Mm-hmm. We have four GTs. We have mm-hmm. Shelby GT 350s yep. that are running on an all-carbon fiber wheel. It's yep. a single-piece carbon a good fiber wheels, wheel. Yeah. Okay, but also yep. we have uh, new... Uh, pickup trucks, GMC Sierras that are going with carbon fiber bed. And that carbon fiber bed doesn't look anything like right. what we know and, and see as carbon fiber right. with the pretty weave and the glossy finish. It's and very it's different. A, it's a cosmetic piece or even mm-hmm. something you see on, you know, on and, the hood of a and car. So that's, that's, that's carbon you know, uh, filaments right. and stuff being put in. Exactly. And, and it's a different resin system for sure. It's really yeah. more of a... a but imp, imp, super strong and still it, lightweight yes. and and maybe it's not all cosmetic. Like maybe no, no. there's a process like what they're doing with that carbon fiber bed of a truck. Yeah. You know, and their pitch was it's lighter than steel, it's lighter than aluminum, it's stronger than the both, and if you want to save an additional 20 or 40 pounds or whatever the hell it is, all the other metal trucks need like some sort of bed liner spray right. or plastic and that's got a way I don't know what a bed liner weighs right. 40 pounds 50 pounds and I, and I think that's that's the thing with carbon like aluminum you know aluminum is an isotropic material and some material purpose for the most part you know are consistent right it doesn't matter which direction doesn't matter what you're doing and they have great strength and great impact resistance all these other things um, carbon you know, impact can be an issue depending on which resin systems you're using and uh, which uh, fibers you're using. And so you have you have a lot of ways to tailor carbon. And so carbon fiber, we sort of throw carbon fiber around thinking a certain thing. But you can take composites. It's a better way to think of it. Yeah. You can, there's all kinds of different composite platforms. There's different materials. There's glass, there's aramids, there's carbon. And then just within carbon, there's all kinds of different ways you can do it um, and different manufacturing technologies. And all those are going to get you a different result and probably lean you uh, one way or another depending on what you're trying to accomplish and what the main focus is. Is it impact? Is it stiffness? Is it lightweight? You know what I mean? And so... With carbon, there's a lot of different variables, and you can 
change all of those to try and cater to um, one or the other. Uh, the problem with wheels is um, it sort of hits all those things. You, yeah. you need weight. You need impact resistance. You need stiffness. You need uh, environmental resistance. And so wheels become very, very difficult in a lot of ways. Um, and, it's a, and it's an interesting problem just because of the challenges in making a wheel out of composite. Um, but it, it is possible. And and people are doing it successfully, and uh, HRE will, um, I, I foresee in the future, uh, also be doing composites or other materials, and not just composites, but other alloys right, and other things. Other, yeah, other materials absolutely. as well. Or other yeah, and other manufacturing methodologies and combinations, hybrids, and all kinds of... We're looking at every option, um, because... Uh, the technologies, uh, new technologies like that are always changing. So what may not have been feasible even two years ago, hey, it, maybe that's starting to get there. Maybe it's not quite, but maybe it's time for us to be looking at it and paying attention. And we do have the ability to bring it to market sooner because a lot of times when you're adopting a new technology, the cost is, is really high, and it's that's a huge barrier. Um, but with our uh, brand presence and everything, uh, we're able to introduce a product that probably is a little more exclusive than than most, right. and so uh, we can adopt a new technology a little bit sooner than most. And it's interesting to think that that we are sh- we are still learning new ways to use existing materials. We're still doing new things with titanium, uh, yeah. and aluminum, and combinations of the things like that. We're going, yep. hey, you know, years ago, you never think to do this in titanium because of certain flaws, mm-hmm. right? And now, like, I remember riding a, like, a BMX bicycle, and there was, like, a titanium frame. I forgot who made it. And it was brittle, probably. And it was then. super brittle. Yeah. And it, would, it was just like, by the way, this is... No, not anymore. Yeah, this is just a kid riding it, yeah. right? And it would crack like on the neck or at the seat and all that stuff. And now cool. we're we're way beyond. That, no, we're right? way We've beyond. We've done that. so much more. Yeah, the same thing with magnesium. Yeah. You know, magnesium cast wheels were really brittle, and you yeah. know now forged magnesium. No, I mean you don't have any of those issues. So uh, corrosion resistance and things like that. I mean, there's all kinds of, and that's progress. That's engineering, right? The, the, yeah. You know, you, you're going to always keep Im- improving something incrementally. Maybe that you improved it for a different application. But then we're able to capitalize on that, right? So that's what engineers do. We take what somebody else, a scientist or something, creates or improves, and we figure out a way to use it better. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up my nerdiness because <laughs> I feel like I could keep going on this. Right? Gotta, gotta, gotta. You spoke about aramids, and I'm pretty sure aramids are Kevlar. Kevlar. Yeah, yeah. But it's just without the brand name. And there's a, I was like, why do we love carbon fiber so much? Why can we're not using more Kevlar. Right. Because right. everyone will think they'll be able to shoot their wheels. Because no. Everybody, and that, I was like, Kevlar. That's a bulletproof vest. And, Let's and start shooting wheels. But there's stiffness. <laughs> you know, there's different trade-offs, right? So yeah. you know, there's different things. And and we think of fiberglass. You often think, oh, fiberglass is cheap. Well. There's different types of fiberglass. There's E-glass and S-glass. And S-glass is actually really pretty impressive. So, so yeah. making something out of the right uh, material. And I think a lot of people, that's, uh, that's another thing too. Um, you don't want to just make something out of a material just because it's cool. Uh, as an engineer, you want to pick the best material you can, right? Yeah. And, and for the application. And that's where wheels are unique, though, again. Because like I said, the, 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 the hurdles... You know, you got to have all. You got to check all those boxes. So you can't really fine tune on one material. So it, in some ways, it's hard, but in some ways, it opens us up to trying all kinds of different materials, and that makes it really interesting for us. All right, I know they're going to come kicking in the door and saying that. You <laughs> I got to start. Go to a, I actually, go, I'm supposed to start tour, another tour but, uh, a minute ago. Uh, Alan, thank you so much. I Absolutely, appreciate you coming guys. in. We're gonna we're gonna hang out here for a minute and wrap. All I can up. say is while you guys were geeking out, I was on Instagram and somebody <laughs> took Project Jackhammer with yeah. the HR, a, HRE wheels and made an Xbox Live out of it. Already. 
Damn, someone needs a job. I mean, good job. I mean, good job. <laughs> There's my two cents. Yeah, no, that was fantastic. <laughs> On with your stuff. Um, all right, thank you. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> You're getting bored by my nerdy talk with Alan, but he's such a good dude. He's such a smart what? guy. What? Are we? Hey, are we still doing the show? Yeah, I'm telling you, like, we had this discussion what a while just happened? ago. Follow me here. Okay. Carbon fiber wheel. Yeah. You can do a carbon fiber center or a carbon fiber barrel or a whole carbon fiber wheel, like the Ford GT yeah. whatnot. And we had this discussion years ago where he was saying, if I do a carbon fiber wheel, he's like, I was thinking maybe more of the carbon fiber barrel. And because the center section being aluminum, he can do a lightweight spoke design have it bolt to the hub of the car and mm-hmm. be super strong because you can't really thread carbon fiber without something metal or whatever. And he said, and then the rotating weight is the issue. So if you did that lighter on the outside, so if the barrel mm-hmm. was carbon fiber and most of the weight was right in the center of the wheel where the lugs are and stuff, he goes, that would be a better use mm-hmm. of carbon fiber than just doing the spokes and keeping, you know, the absolutely. Barrel, yeah. but the aluminum barrel is what gets screwed up all the time, and it's you know it's rotating, so that's where the weight is. But that's where we hit the hit curbs and everything else, right? And uh, I'm sorry, um, I need to stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> wake up, wake up. Horsepower, gasoline? Did I smell my exhaust or something? Yeah. <clears throat> um, I know the music's insane. The music is, is insane out there. So It's not necessarily what you and I'd be listening to, no, to put it mildly. And I don't know why we didn't hear it before, but no. we didn't hear it in the other room. There was the baby in the last show. We had the baby crying. It's all good. Way. You never know what you're going to get when yeah. you tune into CarCast. It's, uh, that's where you take the shows on the road, you're going to hear some noise. Um, so we, we got an update uh, the other week um, from, uh, Goodwood. from Richard Waitis. Oh. Yeah, and now we're starting to plan these events that we're going to. Um, you and I talked about Goodwood. We're going to be going out there. We're yeah, what's your latest on Good? What's your, what's your plans? The latest. Uh, yeah, so we've um, uh, we're we're working on the contracts right now, but we're we're going to be doing some videos and stuff uh, out there as well. Um, and I think it's the timing is going to work out great. So you know, you know, producer Chris is going to be out there. Adam's going to be out there. I'll be out there because you already had plans to be out there doing some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a great time for all of us to be able to meet up. At uh, at Duke of Richmond's beautiful estate, and we could do a car cast. <laughs> and we could do a car cast out there, uh, but at the very least, we're going to shoot some videos. Uh, we're going to get some videos of Adam doing the hill climb in the Porsche 935. We're going to get some videos of you uh, running Mike Skinner's NASCAR truck up there, and uh, and then maybe we'll get the three of us together and chat a little bit about how the hell that happened i think what we should do is get a scale and weigh me before the run and after the run and see how much weight i lost through stress i'm telling you uh adam's the same way where he goes up there and uh, don't bring a don't bring a thick race suit that's all i can tell you man i was melting last year oh yeah yeah last year did it rain not no no we were prepared for it with our muckalog well, shoes and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, but man, it just turned out to be an extra suitcase that we took. It didn't rain one drop. Yeah. Um, so we've got that coming up. Oh, as you as you guys are listening to this, uh, we'll check the dates. We have the San Marino Motor Classic, June 10th, out here near Pasadena. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
off to check the dates of when this is actually airing. Maybe you missed it, or maybe you're going to go out. Nitto's or- Tire Event, the end of June. Oh, end of June. I'll have uh, Project Jackhammer up there melting some Nitto tires. And- um, are you going to be heading out to... I'm not sure if you're aware, but our, our buddy Bruce Meyer from the Peterson Museum and stuff, he does his annual Rodeo Drive concourse. Yeah, and I'm not going to be doing Day. the Rodeo Drive thing. Um, no? no uh, you don't need sleeves or anything. <laughs> well, maybe I can, yeah, I can set a new precedent. I think we're going to go up there and check it out. We might show off two of the Lamborghinis again. I think as you're listening to this, uh, San Marino is probably past. And, but you probably make the Rodeo Drive show. And then you're saying a Nitto event at the end of June. End of June, yeah. Where's that going to be? Anaheim, I think. Yeah? Are you bringing the car out? Damn, Skippy. Nitto's, Nitto's got me melting as many sets of tires off of that car as possible. Oh, you're going to so go. You're going out there and make a mess. Come check it out. Oh, that's going to be fun. We're going to have to go hit that up. I didn't know you were on the job. Oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> the destroyed tires Yes, job. sir. I have a duty. Yeah. It really, now when you're like, who's next? You know exactly what you're talking about. Nitto tires <laughs> Nitto next. Nitto tires. The next set. The next set. The next set. Yeah, that's going to be pretty interesting. Cleanup's so the only fun. thing that sucks. I, I, you know, that's all. Oh, yeah, yeah, on the car. Um, <sighs> we got this product. Uh, yeah, we got this. Uh, yeah, Pam works, and we got the uh, uh, rubber stuff. We use on the race cars. We mm-hmm. get this product we use on the race cars. And uh, one's a cleaner, and one's like a protecting gotcha. ahead of time. Yeah, I need to stay spray it on beforehand. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what else you can do. I'm, I'm not of like the smartest the, like guy the, in the room. The tearaway goggles, like for motorcycles. It needs guys. a tearaway clear strip, it is what like it a, needs. A tearaway. And someone makes yeah. it. Yeah. I think 3M actually makes it. They probably I do. I need to hit them up. So. Yeah. Cling fit. We just get some cellophane out there. Yeah. Stars. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> not yet until they give it to me. Um, no, I don't work like that. All right, so we got some good events coming up. Uh, Goodwood is going to be in July. And then uh, we're heading to Monterey uh, Car Week. I, but I think August, you're kind of jammed up filming more of... Except for the 12th and the 13th. Knife or Death, 12th and 13th. We're going to Michigan to the Goodwood Dream Cruise the week before, basically, mm-hmm. where uh, the Roadkill guys do their drag racing and stuff. We're going to do CarCast Live on the top of the Dodge semi-truck out there. Gotta love and that. I think, uh, I think before we do that, um, we're going to do a little drag racing down Goodwood Ave. I think the drag racing determines whether or not we actually do the podcast afterward. So what, <laughs> if we come back with two cars that fully function, we can still <laughs> yeah, do the or, podcast? Or two people that fully function. Yeah. If two people are still fully functional, we'll be then, fine. Then, uh, then that'll be fantastic. Um, uh, then the Goodwood event, and then uh, uh, something else coming up. Oh, so I wanted to ask you about this crazy Travis Pastrana thing that's coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? e- Evil Live. Uh, I, it's the day before I go to Goodwood. Okay. So um, in July. In July, three-hour History Channel special. Um, Pastrana's going to reenact three of Evil's gnarliest jumps. Now, you're involved. I'm involved. I'm going to be on the panel, um, okay. basically uh, lending my expertise as to how it is doing a dangerous Event in front of a live audience. So you're going to offer some color commentary uh, on this thing. I don't know what my responsibilities are, although I will be adding color, that's for sure. That's right. Um, but, yeah, I'm excited to go, man, excited to represent history. We just re-upped for Knife or Death, so we'll be shooting nice. 16 more episodes in August. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. But it's, uh, and you know, anytime you can be around with an event like that, I mean, three hours, Travis is going to do three 
three jumps. He's going to do the the Caesar's Fountain. He's going to do the eighteen buses, and then I don't know what the other one is, but um, it, it's going to be one hell of a night, man. And uh, so I'm I'm curious though, is this is this going to be on history as a live event, or you guys are going to film it on history as a, as live, a live event? event. So three when hour you say, live event, July the eighth. So when you say July the eighth, you're going out there and you're doing the whole live event, and then you're going to scurry on over to to goodwood i'm leaving the next morning to go to goodwood so i'm flying into vegas that morning uh the the morning of the event flying home right after the event and then catching a flight to europe the next morning yeah well uh, that sounds pretty amazing i'm gonna see if i can get out to vegas for that how could you want to see that live like i want to yeah i think i know somebody who could probably hook you up but yeah i think uh i think it's gonna be for many reasons, it's going to be something definitely that you're going to want to see and want to be at. Um, I, I just, I still can't believe it. So I, I'm pretty excited about it. And yeah, and the idea was to was to recreate some of the evil, the oh, well, three of the big evil Knievel events. Yeah. And it's, you were telling us a little bit about the bike. Like you had a little bit of insight as what the bike is going to be. Yeah, I mean, not all you, the details, but we know it's. Go if you go on to historychannel.com, you can see the bike. Um, obviously, it's a throwback to what Ebel was riding back in the day, but only only look wise, only aesthetically. Functionally, there's no way that Pastrana is going to use a bike that is similar mechanically to you know back in the day. It's just not going to happen. It's it's suicide. So the bike is a throwback visually to what Evil rode, but it is f- fully built technology wise to be the best thing that he could be jumping right now yeah yeah well i think it's going to be fantastic it's going to be pretty amazing to do um all right guys we're going to uh we're going to head out of here and uh, i'm not sure how this is actually working out we're out here at hre wheels open house and uh we were out here we, we recorded a couple of shows i'll be perfectly honest with you i have no idea what order they're going to go in so either last week you heard richard waitus or you and uh david jesco or you're going to hear them next week. So just a little confusion because the last shows we posted got kind of posted in the wrong order. But uh, As we long as all the content is awesome, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter where it lies, so, where it lands. It's all good. Um, uh, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, uh, again, as you know, we appreciate you. Everybody's been going on to iTunes and leaving us nice ratings and little reviews and telling us how uh, – how much you enjoy the show. And if you don't enjoy it, don't leave it out on the review. Just email us. We'll tell you what it is. Uh, if you um, don't enjoy it, just email me. Just email you. Um, speaking of email, we'd love to get some questions. We're going to do more questions on the show. If you email us, you can go to carcastshow.com and email us through the website. Or you could just go to carcastshow at gmail.com. And or another option email. is just show up at Matt's house in L.A. and uh, ask That's him right. there. By yeah. house, we mean Corolla Studio. <laughs> <laughs> you can show up there all day long. <laughs> that place is gated like a Fort Knox. Oh, and also Phil the Watchdog, who does nothing. Phil um, the Watchdog. Uh, guys, you can check us out on, uh, on our social media as well. As usual, you can follow me at Motorator. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, Goldberg is not really a, a Facebook guy. but No, I don't do Facebook. No, I, no not at all. Uh, Instagram, Goldberg95. Twitter, Goldberg and Carr. Uh, Goldberg's Garage on Instagram and Goldberg Garage on Twitter. So you got-
All right, guys, thank you for listening to that. Uh, we love the guys over at HRE. They put on such a great event. And, of course, uh, uh, Goldberg and everybody else is involved. Um, again, uh, we love that. So before we wrap up, I'm going to tell you uh, once again about uh, about Dodge. Summer is, al- is almost here. So hurry into your local Dodge dealership today and get deals on the only family of all-wheel drive muscle cars. You know, the Dodge Charger, which is the only muscle car in its class, to throw you back in your seat with 300 horsepower and still get get 30 miles per gallon and the dodge challenger that you could take the streets by storm with the most affordable v8 in its class and their dodge journey is the most powerful three-row vehicle in its class and of course the dodge durango this is uh, the most powerful suv with all-wheel drive availability in its class hurry into your local dodge dealership today because the brotherhood of muscle waits for no one Stick around for next week. Uh, you know, uh, we're, I guess this Friday. This Friday, Adam and I are going to be in the studio talking about the Rodeo Drive Concourse. We're going to recap that. What a great event. It seemed it was a 25th anniversary. More people than I've ever seen at that event. You guys are going to love it. Uh, so, uh, so for Goldberg and myself, until next week, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.